0: and we're back blake the brew explorer podcast my name is blake longfellow with my brew crew eric berger and noah jones and today we went to pretty exciting brewery today third eye had a great time hope you guys enjoy cheers
1: go. welcome
0: Kelly Montgomery and Tom Argo. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, how are hey, you, doing, Blake? Uh, long time no see, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's just been, what, a few days since uh, we've done the 513 collab beer?
0: Yeah, that was a fun day. So let's start with this one. The first beer you, you gave us, talk to us about that.
2: Yeah, the first first beer, is that's uh, what we call our RBI. Um, that's uh, our American Light Lager, about 4%, um, it's just your easy drinking, you're kind of golfing, lawn mower. You know, it's just crisp, clean, just super. I mean, it goes down easy. We've I mean, drinking a lot of shifty's after work, a lot of RBI shifty's.
1: RBI like Joey Votto with a batter on third base. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, we do this beer for uh, baseball season. So it's just out for baseball season. It, we release it opening day every year.
1: Yeah. Hopefully it goes better than the red season. Right, right. <laughs> it's our
2: sign
3: of spring at third eye. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> that sure. and many other flavors, I guess.
0: So what what goes into a light lager?
2: Light light lager, I mean for this particular one, um we'll have Pilsner Mall to be the base. Uh, just a good German Pilsner base, and then uh we'll try to you know some light hops very little bitterness i mean there's just a tiny bit of hops compared to anything else we brew it's got a little bit of hops and um, i mean it's really about as simple as you can possibly get you know you got one hop one barley which you know pilsner and just a light water profile just you know make it in uh you know german lager yeast just make it as easy drinking as possible crisp clean um, but yeah it's a really simple beer.
0: So talk to us about your relationship with craft beer. How did you get into it? Where did you first started falling in love with it?
2: Yeah I'd say my, my particular story probably differs uh, from from Tom here's uh, story. We kind of went about getting into the craft beer industry probably in different different ways. I, I started out Brewing in the garage, brewing in the kitchen, just always dreaming of uh, opening up a brewery. Uh, Tried to get some work as a brewer and I wasn't having a whole lot, so I just decided to open up my own brewery. And uh, that's kind of how I got into it. You know, I was brewing in the kitchen and garage for 20 years, just dreaming about uh, opening up a brewery.
1: How did you know the LEAP was ready for you when you decided to take it from the garage to Gwendo?
2: basically started entering in local competitions you know local homebrew competitions i've always kind of thought of that as the minor leagues uh kind of the professional brewing and i started winning a lot of different uh homebrew awards and then i started entering some beers nationally and winning nationally and eventually won you know best of show the national competition in california where uh, they flew me out to brew my beer on Rogue system and all expense paid trip, hotels, flight, whole week, uh, just kind of beer related activities. And I, th- I think after that, it was a lot easier to, you know, get investors and get people interested in helping me open up a brewery.
4: Now at that point where you're like, I can do this, or before that, where you're like, I know I can do this. Let's just hope other people know I can do this.
2: I, I always thought if I could get a place open, I could do it. Um, you know the the recipe, the brewing part. I I didn't have any commercial experience though, so that was uh, you know I came in day one. It was taking me it was taking me multiple days to do a very simple task. So I was figuring out everything you know from the beginning. Never really worked in a commercial brewery, so you know going from a five gallon batch to you know when I started brewing, those were two hundred gallon batches. So it was a big, quite a big jump, and just figuring out you know all the little things.
1: what is the hardest part about going from garage to owning a spot is it is it the the quantity of beer or is it the commercializing
2: i think one of the hardest parts is you know i i always brewed you know what i wanted to drink so now now you're making a business out of it so um you know just kind of getting into you're not going to be able to just brew you know barley wines all the time you're going to have to you're gonna nice. have. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I agree, but Yeah, but so you, know, you gotta throw in some light beers. You gotta have some sour beers. You gotta have some dark beers. You gotta have a little bit of everything so that you know you can kind of make everybody happy, or if somebody can find something that they like when they come in. Uh, so it's a little different than just you know throwing what you like at home. So
0: how about you, Tom? How did you get
3: in? Um, I kind of started at a craft beer shop. Uh, Over in Kenwood, it was a root cellar on Montgomery Road, and I just kind of, over time, saw the amount of beer reps, owners, brewers, uh, packaging team members, and whatnot, um, coming in just to check on how their beer's doing at the store. Um, Then I just noticed the Cincinnati State Brewing Science Program uh, applied and got into that, and I don't know, put put out some feelers in the uh, couple craft beer groups around town uh cincinnati facebook craft beer groups i should say and um and i started at cincy brew co which was uh the old river town location and uh then this place got built up and just kind of shifted gears came over this way uh since open i was just a bartender and then uh this guy had a little what was it a Biking injury or something. A little
2: motorcycle accident. Uh,
3: And then uh, they asked me to start helping out a couple days a week, and that just grew and grew. Um, And now I'm full-time five
2: days a week.
4: (laughs) Don't do anything but back-of-house work.
2: Yep, you're full-time as I get now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Are you still using a motorcycle, or I have a friend who got in a pretty severe accident and decided that it was time to walk away. Yeah,
2: I... I, I probably should walk away, but I, I don't. Uh, you know, still riding. Not not as much as, you know, probably I used to. It's, it's tough with business and family and, you know, everything else going on. But uh, I still ride a lot. You know? Just maybe not as hard, maybe not as fast, you know. take it a little bit easy out there.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So let's talk about you went from Brink to Third Eye. So how do you start Brink and get in? How did Third Eye come out?
1: Yeah, we
2: did. I did Brink. That was kind of you know the original launching point. I opened that with my brother and a good friend of mine. Um, I think we just got to the point where we would kind of taken Brink as as far as we could go, and I was looking to you know just kind of do some new things. You know, just see if. Uh, you know, we've we've always had plans. You know, this is kind of a neighborhood brewery now, but Third Eye's always had the plan of doing something bigger, um, and and I, I think that's what interested me was just the the plan of you know doing wider distribution and just really you know challenging myself to to do a bunch of different more styles and um, do it on a you know wider audience by making more beer. So,
4: I was going to say we, I was at um, FC Cincinnati last year and Blake comes back with uh, Nirvana Right. I'm like where do you get that in the stadium <laughs> I had no idea it was here he showed me so that yeah that wider distribution you were talking about
1: yeah, yeah. How, uh, how much of an impact has that made for you to be able to be sold at FCC games I mean that sounds like you know short of the Bengals stadium that sounds like where you need to be
2: it's it was you know it's a lot of fun it's, you know I think that's kind of a the dream of mine—you, you, you know—you're brewing in your garage and your house, dreaming of a brewery. But to go into a major sporting event, and be able to, you know, buy a beer that you made—and uh, that's that's pretty awesome—and yeah. see other people drinking it too and enjoying it. I think that's that's great. Yeah, that's
3: probably one of the my favorite parts is seeing other people out in public enjoying a Third Eye product.
1: For sure, for sure. When I was a reporter, uh, the first time I ever saw someone reading one of my stories. I was in college at Bowling Green, and I saw someone reading the BG News, and I just, like, that made my day. So I can wow. only imagine how cool it is of a feeling for you to be out in public somewhere seeing someone drinking uh, beer that you guys made. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's got to lift your spirits for the entire week. <laughs> it definitely yeah. makes the rest of your day, that's for, for sure. sure. For sure,
0: <laughs> So when you guys opened in, so you guys opened in 2020, correct? Correct. Yeah. So how was that like um, with all the challenges and what... What came out of it? You sure using today?
2: I mean, it it started out. It was it was tough. I mean, it was COVID, so we were supposed to get open in May. Um, there were no inspectors to come out and give us our final approvals and get our licenses. So we we were delayed to open. And then once we got open, they were you know the tables had to be six feet across, and we kind of weren't really able to. You know, we never had those kind of exciting new openings with a ton of people just because, you know, we can only, we're only allowed to have so many people in. There was all the mask and sanitizer. And, you know, it was just kind of crazy times. We were having trouble getting ingredients because a lot of the manufacturing was shut down. So just getting any sort of ingredients, everything was just a major challenge at that time.
1: I would imagine that it's nearly impossible Cause I mean, I feel like every bar or brewery that I go to is really, I mean, the beer is of course important, but the vibe or community that's surrounding you is, is really what makes or break my affection for a place. And the fact that you couldn't be close to each other, you couldn't just go up to strangers and, and talk about whatever is on TV or, yeah. you know, in general, that really had to have slowed your anticipation, right?
2: Yeah, we, we couldn't even, so the bar was even shut down. We didn't have any, you know, seats at the bar. So there was no kind of interaction with the bartender where they could really spend time and get to know you and tell you about the beers and stories. So we, we missed out uh, a lot of that. Argo can maybe speak more to that as he was kind of on the, the front lines in that time period as a, a bartender. But, I mean, you couldn't really. Yeah. yeah, it was
3: interesting. COVID was all we knew, though, since open. So as those restrictions started to lighten up, we started to be able to reposition things and the flow of the brewery and tap room kind of worked a little better with itself, uh, than COVID intended. So, uh, right, right, right. but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, now we're rocking and rolling. We got a tap room packed every other day, it seems like, and we, we, we need more seats.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you and know I'm assuming that maybe you go into distro earlier than you wanted to, or I think
3: it definitely, pressed the button a little bit quicker on like packaging machines like canning line and labeling you know stuff yeah, like that
2: we were having i guess some internal meetings or where we were afraid we were going to get shut down tap rooms close out and then we have no avenue to sell beer and yeah. you know you're still paying on all kinds of things so you know we came up with a plan that we have to have some packaged product that we that we can sell in case they shut down the tap rooms again um so we i think we moved into canning a lot faster uh, than we normally would have, probably wow. speeded it up.
1: Yeah, probably thank goodness the pandemic's over for the most part.
2: So
0: since 2020, I, I feel like your beers have been rocking. Is there, is there any styles you like doing it or is there some you would like to still try?
2: For me personally, I, I love brewing. You know, that for me, the, the fun parts, you know, making the recipe, I think that's a lot of fun doing the new brew, using, you know, there's always some new ingredient or new yeast or something fun to try. Um, there's always something to keep it exciting. But, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of big style, high ABV English style beers, you know, barley wines and, you know, or even a low ABV English mild, or just, you know, some big malty style beers. That they might not sell that great. So, you know, we're, it's fun for me to brew other things. And Argo, you're, you're, you probably, probably have a different totally different uh, opinion on what you enjoy it's, that's probably yeah not the... it' being more like production related and Kelly definitely
3: obviously being more recipe related um, obviously those big beers are are fun in the result but sometimes those hefty double triple New England or West Coast IPAs or these big old pastry stouts can be a little, some some exhausting days here and there um, you know adding a bunch of extra flavors to something that's already nice and big and took a, a full day's worth of work to to make like you saw this week Blake mm-hmm. um but no I don't know I, uh, what I'm a really big fan of drinking completely is different than what I'd say the most fun or the most interesting beers are to brew especially with that IPA world that's just constantly exploding and evolving with new yeast technology and like th- like thiol powder you, you know just yeah. hop products that are, are constantly just giving you better and better product and yield out of your your brews um it's yeah it's a it, those are probably where my interests peak the most but if you ask me what i'm drinking it's usually a lager pilsner, <laughs> germans you know something like that
4: so right.
1: yeah. for the casual drinkers including myself can you sort of help me understand what you mean by you're interested in the production whereas kelly is more interested in the recipe yeah
3: um well, kelly has X amount of years uh, before getting into the commercial side of things, uh, I'm on year th- three-ish of working in the back of a house of a brewery, so I'm definitely trying to still get processes and, and techniques under my belt before I think about the weight on his shoulders of recipe ordering, X Y Z. Like the more, the more, let's say, computer kind of like desk work is uh is definitely yeah definitely more Kelly than. than I ever would uh, plan to do at this time here at Third Eye, I think, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how our system still works and and this canning line and and everything in between, you know what I mean? I'm I'm still trying to soak all that stuff up more than anything.
0: Right. Okay, what beer do you want to start with you brought out and talk
2: about? Well, let's let's just, I guess, start at the beginning because this uh, first beer, Jelly Brain, this was... Uh, actually the first beer that we brewed at Third Eyes is brew number one. Uh, and this particular gel, this is version one, which is the pineapple coconut. Um, and it was the very first beer that we made here. Oh,
1: it's so good. I can oh, yeah, yeah. It, you're absolutely right. It tastes like a jelly. Yep. Jelly, yeah.
2: yeah it's, pineapple um, too, like, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: that's really good.
2: You know, it has, so for this last batch. Cargo put in, it was two drums. If you can imagine, I mean, the drums are about the size of those bourbon barrels over there, so he he put in, it was two full drums of pineapple. Uh, We loaded it up with a ton of toasted coconut and uh, vanilla beans. And uh, so, you know, you kind of get that vanilla, you get the pineapple and you get a little bit of that coconut, you know, a tiny bit of that coconut litter, kind of the end of the palate.
1: How many tastes did it take for you to know that you nailed it, that it, it was what lead the product that you were envisioning and wanted to sell?
2: Um, you know, for this particular beer, since it was the first beer on the system, I think a lot of people think, well, that was, you know, a real kind of crazy beer to do for a first beer. But for me, it wasn't because I had, all that pineapple i had all that vanilla and all that coconut to hide behind so if i had made a mistake or any sort of I wouldn't really notice it in this beer whereas if we had a brewed a kolsch or a lager any tiny mistake would have been magnified oh, so right. harder to hide so this <laughs> the decision to brew that was kind of easy just there's you know there's pineapple and you know it's just uh it's you all could possibly
3: go wrong scenario you can
2: and with the new brew house you don't really know the efficiencies you don't you don't know what a, you know if the bitterness is going to come out more or less than what you're thinking it is. There's a lot of things you don't know until you start brewing. So this was a good beer to just kind of get our feet wet at the brew house and, uh, and go. But um, we really haven't changed the recipe since day one. Um, you know, blasted with this ton of pineapple. It's you know got the, the milk sugar lactose in there and oats and.
1: So I know this might be a really sort of silly question or maybe one that you don't even want to answer, but my sister lives in Germany. She lives in Berlin, and whenever I tell her my favorite beer are sour beers, and whenever I tell her about these beers, she's always sort of scoffing at me, and she's like, oh, we don't drink those in Germany. They always drink the, the lagers and, and the yeah. much more beer beers. Right. Uh, talk to me a little bit about American taste, because we, I mean, you go into a brewery and like yours, and there are beers that are so many different varieties and it's almost expected when you walk in what why is that maybe maybe it's like because we're addicted to soda i have no idea really
2: i mean my my view on it and i I think especially where we're at you know just the ohio market maybe even versus you know out in colorado or you know somewhere out on the east coast i think the ohio taste that we really like sweet stuff um You know, the sweet really kind of sells in Ohio. So I think the crazier style beers are, uh, you know, the sweeter beers do really well in Ohio, whereas they might not do well in Colorado. And I don't think they do well in Germany at all?
1: Right. No. Yeah. They definitely wouldn't. She's 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 sort of gagged (laughs) before. Yeah. A lot of those.
2: A lot of
3: those European breweries have just been doing things the same same way for for so long. So any any variance of that is an abomination to to their religion, pretty much. You know. So yeah, it's uh, it is interesting to see what even across America, like some cities and states have a huge. German beer presence like Cincinnati but we I mean we're spoiled here in Cincinnati obviously you go to some cities and you don't really get much variance other than your your here and there uh thanks uh your here and there kind of brewery that's few and far between and one specializes in these and the other in those you know what I mean so that kind of stuff
0: so there's so many great breweries in Cincinnati what sets you guys apart from most of them or any or what do you think
2: I think we really do if you come into third eye, it's not overly balanced toward IPAs or any, you know, so I mean I think we really are really good at doing a lot of different types of beer styles. I think we we can do just a large across the gamut we can do a lot of different beer styles well. Um usually fine there's always gonna be something for somebody to drink here that they'll like. You know, if, from classic styles to you know pretzel beers. I mean, there's. But uh, your pretzel
0: beers are really good, by the
2: way. <laughs> yeah,
3: I was gonna add to that. I don't think it's fair to knock hardly any of the breweries in, in this but area. Which yeah, I wasn't knock. Right? Yeah, right, not right. Um, but there, there are definitely breweries that, like Urban Artifact, obviously likes to do their sour thing. Um, yeah, that there's there's certain niches and and and. and Kind of stylings that, that certain brewers or breweries like to do the most. But uh, a lot of them, you go to in, into any brewery in Cincinnati and there's styles across the board just like there are here. Um, I'd say a lot, of, a lot of them give us a run for their
2: money sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, 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 we live in an amazing beer city. I mean, it's amazing how much great beer that uh, we're just lucky here in Cincinnati to have so many great breweries.
4: That's one thing I've always liked about your guys' location, too, is right off 75, just go in. Yeah, right there.
3: Yeah, I don't think they could have picked a better location. Like, you can see it from the highway. Yep. Um, <laughs> all we need is a, a sign right off the highway that says, cold beer here with an arrow. People just look over. Especially
0: and, if Eric and I are, like, going to a game early Sunday morning, we'll come here for chicken waffles right away. Oh, yeah, They're yeah, good. absolutely.
1: Yeah, you guys have an amazing kitchen. We've talked about that in our own, like in my house, so many yep. times. Oh, yeah. the chicken and waffles is unbelievable.
3: Hey, he, he does a good job of uh, keeping a nice spread of the menu too, just like the beer. Yeah. Uh, Ten years ago, it didn't matter where you were drinking good beer as long as the beer was good. Right. Now everything matters: your tap room, your food, your your beer quality, and you know your staff too. You know every 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 single thing matters, and they all need to be on par to be like a top tier business in this industry. You know so
1: do you feel like that's, it's extra competitive in Cincinnati where so many breweries are, are really sort of top quality or is it sort of just in the United States, everyone expects the best from everyone?
3: Um, I don't know. I, th- I think the if you look at it in sort of like different waves, um, we're probably part of like wave two or three in this area. Cause you know, like a couple from wave one, the old school guys, blank slate, river town, um, eight ball like some of those guys that paved the way for a lot of these other brewers and breweries around here um, don't exist anymore and
0: you, I don't know I'm, I'm
3: guessing some brewery owners sort of start to pick apart certain places business models and figure what's working and what's not and you know you, you kind of get a common understanding of uh, what direction the industry is going into and uh, I don't know, those, those big dream breweries you go to across the country you got to incorporate some of that stuff into what you got going on if you want to, you know, to one day be that sort of level too. Um,
0: I don't know.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, it seems like in Cincinnati, the breweries just, you know, we've all kind of claimed our neighborhoods. And, you know, the days of, you know, big, giant, Rhine guys size, you know, maybe even Mad Tree size breweries are probably, Probably not going to happen again. Um, I think that was a point in time, you know, where it could be done. I just there's so many breweries now and so much competition. Uh, I think you know now the model is just get in your neighborhood and uh, do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know that's one thing I wish us got to experience the first wave because we were young, too too young to even experience. I was. What was the first wave like living down in Cincinnati? I mean.
3: Uh. I was definitely later into the craft beer scene. I never made it to Blank Slate. I had a couple beers from them, like six packs and whatnot. And I made it to Eight Ball like twice. And I don't think I ever made it to Rivertown. Um So Kelly's probably well more suited he, to answer that than I am.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. I was, I was there for I mean for the some of the homebrew clubs. We would do brew outs at Rivertown. Um you know, and, and Randy, he was just such such a great host and uh, just an awesome person. So we, we did a lot of brew outs in the homebrew community there. It was, you know, as a homebrewer it was one of the funnest days you'd have when you do the, you know, actually do the homebrew outs at the professional brewery, you get to use their yeast or water tank. Uh, blank Slate, uh, Scott, I mean, before I used to follow his blog, you know, waiting for him to get open, he was blogging about it. And I was, just a fantastic read. I don't even, it's probably not on the web, I guess, anymore, but, um, you know, he he uh, talked about the experience, every little challenge or good thing, bad thing. It was all blogged about us. He got open. Uh, he was very instrumental, you know, when, when I was opening up Brink, you know, talking with us and 8-Ball uh, and, uh, too, I... Because
0: I remember 8-Ball out of Party Source. I do remember.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah, that was the perfect setup. You yes. go to Party Source, look at the bourbon, <laughs> maybe get a couple tasters at the little tasting bar, and then go straight to Eight Ball, have a couple pints.
2: And then you have <laughs> <Maybe>. Mount. <laughs> yeah, and then even thinking back to I think Mount Carmel, where they were, they're actually selling like growlers of beer, and I think it was like Kroger's. You would actually go in and buy a glass growler, which kind of seems crazy thinking about it now. And then you had all the, you know, the kind of the barrel house breweries and, you know, some of the really early ones.
0: So this next one's not ready towards you, but Ryan Blevins said, like, when they opened, it was illegal to have tap rooms. So how did those breweries were able to grow without, I mean, I would seem like that would be one of the hardest things to do. Like nowadays, you look to see. get a brand out without yeah. having a
2: location. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah so two, 2012 i believe is when they they changed the law uh so listerman's at that point they could start selling you know they had that kind of makeshift tap room blank slate never intended on having a tap room because it, it, you weren't allowed to so he was going to be a distribution model as he got open you were just now you know allowed to have a tap room so he started you know kind of changing over um, but it, it just stopped that was the brewery boom. Once they allowed us to have tap rooms, you didn't, need to, you didn't need to spend millions and millions of dollars to get a place open. You can now open up a smaller place, a neighborhood's place, and uh, kind of bootstrap it. You know, and that's that's what a lot of us did.
0: Can you tell us about some of the collaborations you've done? Like, Like, what's your favorite ones? And is there any in the future you're excited about?
2: um jeez there's, there's been a bunch and <laughs> they've all been a lot of fun uh you know we've narrow paths always one of my favorite ones um, we always have a ton of fun with those guys we've done a lot of clabs back to the brink days and definitely third eye wooden cast you know nine giant
1: other ones are we done here tom was telling us off air about the one you did with fathead that's a pretty big one right that
2: one's coming up yeah we're we're planning um probably early i think early june and then hopefully that'll get released maybe july we'll have some more information as that one kind of develops more But yeah we're working with them now to
1: that seems like a really big deal for i mean not that i'm trying to sort of talk about you being small but that Head yeah. is, is massive. I mean, I've seen them all across. I went to school in Bowling Green, so I yeah, saw them. No, I mean, but, but, you know, just, just, what does that kind of distribution do for you?
2: I mean, that's that's a bucket list for sure. brewery for me. Just, you know, remember Matt was winning, before I ever opened up a brewery, he was just winning tons of stuff at Great American Beer Fest when I was there, just as a participant. And going there and just being in awe of uh, how well that brewery was doing really kicking butt and uh so to uh, be able to do a collab with them is really exciting it's a kind of a bucket list collab for me
1: are yeah. you able to talk to us about what the beer is
2: um it's no, there's nothing quite official yet we're still kind of getting everything planned out okay but, uh,
4: i always hear uh fathead commercials on um a podcast and it's sean casey talking <laughs> oh um, really yeah I first the gotcha. first baseman for this in say what a letdown he was
0: uh, one of my mom's favorite uh, collaborations you guys ever did was holy cannoli
4: you know, yeah Delgado's,
3: yeah Gardos, uh, cannoli shop down in covington yeah. what do we do the pineapple upside down cake cannoli yeah. blonde that ale. sounds amazing <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll that be. was a fun one
3: threw a bunch of cannolis in the beer how um, much of
1: it went out to people and how much of it went home with you
3: ah uh, the better question is how much of the sheet cake of
2: pineapple upside down cake yeah. actually made it into the beer. Well, that, that is a better question. Yeah, what's
1: the answer?
2: <laughs> I uh, can't confirm nor deny. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. sure of, course, of course, So
0: let's talk about the next beer. We'll, 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 the next one in line. We'll talk so about the,
2: it. The next one is our Untapped Potential. Uh, it's a uh, Kolsch. It's very true to style, classic style. This, this one, won uh, best of show in, uh, the South, basically the Ohio Brewers Cup, um, but it's just a classic style. There's, there's no tricks. There's no crazy ingredients. It's just, you know, we tried to make it as similar to what you might find as Germany as possible. We, we got grain in from Germany. We got yeast, German yeast, German hops. We even tried to match the water profile to something, you know, kind of like their water that they have over there.
1: This is another super stupid question, and I'm so sorry. If it's stupid, don't even speak. Just roll your (laughs) eyes. Um, I took a class in in school at one point about globalization, and and you were talking about how you got your hops from Germany, and I'm just wondering how much globalization has improved beer internationally. Talk to me a little bit about... At, like how accessible quality hops are from Col- from germany
2: yeah so they they make the exact same hops here in the u.s they just oh, don't right? they don't taste the same so if you get this is a size hop if you get american size versus german size they're almost completely that. different just the soil the you know the air temperature, just the everything, humidity, everything. As like just the growing conditions
4: oh, on that side of the so globe for that okay. certain strain the, of hops. The, the American hops they usually all come from the Pacific Northwest, right?
0: Yeah, the uh,
3: uh, yeah, Idaho, the Washington, okay. Oregon, that area. Yeah. Do you ever
0: try to use Ohio or just no? Yeah,
3: yeah. We've used Ohio hops before. Um, just the quality and basically, like I said, the growing conditions just are nowhere. They they don't come close. to But those are
1: just Buckeyes, right? <laughs> <Right>.
3: <laughs> no we have we've actually used hops uh, whole cone hops and so not the processed pellets uh, from a what was it New Richmond
2: what was those Yeah guys down yeah. yeah we did an whole Ohio yeah. beer yeah uh,
3: hand delivered the hops that day they walked in the door with like four big old mesh bags of fresh picked hops
1: and we threw them right into the beer as soon as they got there. So do you guys have like a favorite I don't know geographic location of hops? Or is it just sort of like they all have their own sort of They all
3: have their place, place obviously. Like your your German and your European hops are going to be your uh, your more bittering hops, your American hops and, and South America or South Hemisphere hops are going to be your big aroma and, and big tropical flavor and stuff like that. Um, it, it, I don't know what, it's two just or three. Kinda, sp- I
2: think like having a big toolbox, you know, you might have 10 different screwdrivers that do the same thing, but you know there's certain ones that are just perfect for the style fit better in your hand they just yeah so um for this particular beer though i mean it's it's just german everything
1: oh, Yeah. Um, gotcha my sister would be proud
2: <laughs> sometimes this beer is one of our better sellers and sometimes we have to take it off the menu just to, to keep up with it and when it's off the menu it
0: going back to going back to hops is there any hops that you like diet i know as me as a homebrewer, i've always loved using galaxy i think it's a perfect hop to make an ipa with but is there any hops you like using
2: for for me um you know on the ipa side you know the nectar nectaron that just came out i'm a big fan of i think you'll see us we're brewing a beer next week with Nectaron. It's a hop and vines collab with uh, a lot of other cool hop things. But you know, I, I love the Galaxy. I love the Citra, the Nelson, um, the Nectaron. There's there's so many new hops and they're coming out every year with new hops. And
0: How often does a new hop come out? I mean,
2: like you know, there's so many different hop companies and they all
3: have different. Uh, uh, what are the experimental yeah. tags
2: for them so we like, can get hundreds of different hops right now that don't have a name that they're just experimental hop zero nine three eight or whatever and yeah. uh, you know they're really popular and you have to figure out what they do right
3: they'll, they'll give you some descriptors but yeah it, it, not enough to gain traction like a bravo or a cascade or a amarillo you know what i mean those mm-hmm. those really popular more mass grown
1: hops than how many how many different beers or, or beer trials, for lack of better terminology, would you say you you need before you understand how a hop tastes? Is it like can you tell right away or does it take a little bit of time?
3: There's a couple different things you can do. Obviously the the raw sensory of the hop, you know, you kinda of break it down in between your hands, smell right. and 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 whatnot. But then there's other ways you can make like a hop tea, just kinda of like you steep, you know, like a regular tea. Um,
2: the what, what else you got uh, there's like hop oils you can use and stuff like that like there's I I think it does it comes down to really when you use the hop to so you know just say galaxy for instance probably not gonna use it as uh, or even say citra one of the most common hops you're gonna find an IPA if you do a like a bitterness addiction where you're boiling it for a long period of time it almost has a pretty off flavor I mean does not taste good when you boil it too long. So that's something that tastes great when you put it in kind of towards the end. You know, you dry hop with it, put it in the whirlpool in you know, the very last bit of the, the boil. Um, so just knowing where to insert these different things might be a great hop for bitterness, but a terrible hop for dry hopping or whirlpool. So,
0: so how do you brew? Being traditional and also being creative at the same time. What's the balance?
2: I think, you know, if if it's a classic style, we we try to stay pretty true to that. But then we kind of have a whole another segment that's, there's no rules, anything goes. And, uh, but yeah, if it's a classic style, we, we try to keep it pretty, you know, pretty dead on. as as much as we can if it's something like a jelly brain you know a milkshake beer you know there's no rules do whatever
1: do you feel like you have almost like a set of paint colors and you just sort of get to mix and mash as much as you want or do you try and stay in the like Roy G. Biv category with those beers
2: the crazy beers I don't think we try to stay in any category I think we just whatever If it sounds like it's going to be a you know a beer that's going to get people excited get get some people coming in and um and that people are going to enjoy then we don't really care how crazy it is i mean we've done i don't know what's the craziest beer we've done i don't
3: know probably the sour that's on tap right now i think like <laughs> so we're gonna try that later yeah. banana guava <laughs> coconut and curry
1: Ooh! Yeah. wow <laughs> what's it called uh, funky fresh,
3: all
0: right. because okay. uh, uh, yeah. okay. you, cause you to, to talk about the funky fresh a little bit. Like, yeah, i just. I know you've done different variants of them. So, yeah. yeah, There's talk-
3: definitely a couple different beers that we've uh, wanted to reintroduce with different flavor combinations. We just kind of keep everything the same. Um, Kelly, with his experience in brewing over the years, kind of knows. Flavors, kind of like the back of his hand, especially when it comes to mixing and matching them. Um, there's been a couple times I raised my eyebrow, you know, looking at the brew sheet, like, you want to put what in there? <laughs> and I only did that once or twice. Chicken and then, broth. <laughs> <laughs> and I've only done that once or twice, and both times I did that, it, it slapped me across the, the face so hard it proved me wrong. So I, I learned to stop questioning uh, interesting flavor combinations and just learn to
1: take it for what they are and so as as brewers yourselves how often do you have to sort of think about flavors that you yourselves might not enjoy but you think others might and I I can't think of any examples to go along with my with my question just have
3: people around you that do like those flavors (laughs) okay
1: but do you like do it like a like a like a like like i know when we spoke to mad tree they were they had like i think they said they had like a panel of people do you guys have that as well um mainly just us (laughs) okay i mean sure we
2: we have a kind of unofficial panel um Mm. you know there's a lot of the sweet beers sugary beers i don't really like but we we do make a lot of them, and a lot of people enjoy them. But then, you know, that's not something um, that I like to drink. I love to make them. I think they're a lot of fun to make. It's uh, you know, throwing a thousand pounds of fruit in and throwing all the stuff in. It's it's a lot of fun.
0: And then um, going back to that talk about sugar cookie, how much how much sugar cookie do you put in that
2: then? There's there's you can't even count it all. Just, <laughs> once once you think there's too much then you double it and then that's that's usually sometimes what our customers like. Come so. on,
1: like the more you count, the more you calorie count. I, <laughs> <laughs> hey
2: that sugar cookie comes out and it takes
0: exactly what you said it.
1: We just closed our eyes and kept putting them in there. <laughs> <laughs> you put like actual sugar cookies in there?
3: Well,
0: yeah, we have put some actual yeah. sugar cookies in there oh i, I always
1: sort of imagined as a, as a fan of brewery never as a creator that you would just like put the ingredients and hope it combines the way you want it to
0: so when you do that process where do you where does that go in the process when you're putting that cookie or pretzel or
3: i think it kind of depends on what you're looking for out of the the flavor of the product that you're adding itself um <clears throat> something like a cake we've added in the
2: mash before yeah i mean we Marshmallow and the boil, kettle, add it kind of stuff, maybe even sometimes all, all through the entire process, uh, if you do it too soon, a lot of the flavor doesn't come out at the end, but you can kind of just build it as you go each process of the way from, you know, mashing and kettle, to fermentation to the bright tank and it's kind of building the flavor layers as you go but. now
1: there was a video on the 513 facebook group of uh several of the members having to drag a what looked like wooden scraper along the barrel to clean it out i would only imagine that it's not a fun process to clean wet cake out of a out of a barrel
3: yeah. by that time it's kind of disintegrated into the grain itself so you Unless you throw like like that pineapple upside down cake, we threw actual actual like pineapples and cherry in there more for social media than anything. <laughs> but when we opened up that that manway door and it all started coming out, you could literally see pineapples, pineapple rings and cherries coming out with the
1: spent grain. Is oh. it edible at that point? Not that you eat it, but would you? We, uh, you we have- why
2: not? We- Maybe uh, a, little, a little.
1: It's place. research and development at that point. <laughs> exactly. We're trying to see exactly. how much flavor is actually, you know. You guys are clearly my kind of people.
3: <laughs> no, no, all that all that stuff ends up going to the um, farm animal. There's a, a local farm that uh, comes and picks up our spent grain, and cows just oh, go nice. crazy over it. Yeah. They don't and care. Sometimes
2: we have to put a disclaimer. There may be like a cake in there. or There might be a bunch of cookies or. But, you know,
1: that that's fascinating cows um,
2: love cookies too the three <laughs> of us went
1: to Moorline for a, a brewery tour, not for a podcast but they basically told us that they recycled all of the materials they used and I didn't really know that that was a thing but that is so phenomenal that, that that's possible, I mean I mean, from a global warming standpoint, like amazing
3: oh yeah, I think it's better than the alternative for sure yeah. um, and it's also the easiest way to deal with your used ingredients for sure for sure um otherwise you would have especially at these bigger breweries you'd have to have huge dumpsters collected multiple times a day and they'll just
1: stink
3: <laughs> like Ryan guys you know like <laughs> i could not imagine the amount of grain they actually go through in a oh, day yeah. like oh, visual, yeah. visualizing day. Yeah. it you know, yeah.
1: so just give it to the pigs man Those yeah they'll, they'll, they'll tear it up yeah. <laughs> yeah so nearly every cincinnati brewery does that according to the more line person yeah,
3: yeah. i don't i don't know of a
2: brewery who doesn't have yeah, a farmer. Of any, that makes of you
1: any. feel a lot better about drinking beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So the the next one is called Space Toast Continuum. Mm. Okay. As dark as space. space. <laughs> yeah. So yep. this is just. Oh, I wouldn't good. quite go to pastry stout because I don't. I, you know, it's really sweet, but I don't think it's as sweet as some of the pastry stouts on the market. But it's. Uh, you know whatever version this is, I can't remember. This is the ten or twelve percenter. Do you remember Argo?
3: Um, I do not. This is a twelve but percenter.
2: the idea of this beer is to make something super thick. I mean, almost chewy. Almost eat it with yeah. a fork. Excessively chewy, super thick, and um, and this one has the maple syrup, the cinnamon, and the vanilla beans. So it. It's All just, three of those it's kind of, of that breakfast treat, yes. that cinnamon roll or just French, to French toast. toast. Next time. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. You definitely do. Yeah.
2: yeah. Dude, you'd definitely be ready for the game. Oh yeah. But this is one. here on your chest. One of the more expensive beers that we brew. Uh, the 513 beer <laughs> that we did was, was going to probably be on this same level, but this is one of the most expensive beers we brew. And uh, you know, I just I like having a big chewy stout on the on the menu board. So how does this rival like the double astral? The double astral, I think you'll get thick and chewy, but the double astral has got a ton of uh, it has ridiculous amount of chocolate in it. We okay. use that uh, Maverick uh, local Maverick chocolate company, and we get their cocoa nibs, and we'll. I think it was 1800 bucks in chocolate last time we were double astral. It's uh, it's actually, they're dropping off a bunch of it this week because we have a double astral in the tank. Nice. But uh, that's, yeah, so that's our more bottles like the home. chocolate. I mean, it's heavy chocolate and vanilla.
0: Cause he had a couple of different variants out of it too.
2: Yeah, that's a fun one. You can, you can play around with that double astral in a lot of different ways.
0: So let's talk about your production facility that's coming. And so, what is your plans with it, and what, how did that come about too?
3: Well, the plan is to brew more beer.
2: well <laughs> Oh,
3: okay, cool. Short.
2: Long story short. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah and we, cut. We, we, even during COVID, our first year, we ran out of space here. Um, this is a nine thousand square foot facility, and we were pretty much out of room. Uh, within six months, you know all the tanks are constantly filled, and you know if you go back there, there's no room to put any more tanks. We're we're out of space. We think there's some pent up demand, or you know I think there's more demand out there, and we just don't have beer to to supply it. So we um, that's the idea behind Hamilton is to be able to brew more beer, uh, probably get a wider you know distribution base uh, throughout Ohio and just give us the ability it seems like sometimes you know just keeping up with some of our standards we have a ton of ideas that we haven't yet got the brew just trying to keep up with uh, some of the normal things so Hamilton's going to open up a lot of doors it's going to help us be more creative uh, we're going to have a lot of space for some barrels in the basement um, so I'd expect some more barrel age no, it's like, got to be a tap room too it's gonna be a yeah. It'll be an awesome. I think it's gonna be an awesome type of room. Yeah, it guys. will be. It'll okay. be really cool.
1: Cool. Now I know that you guys would probably never say that you knew this in 2020 or or during the entirety of the pandemic, but do you guys feel like you were happy that you opened during those really trying times because it's made now easier or I or think it, that you've learned from those?
2: I think it really rooms? got us. Um, I think it trimmed all the fat from, you mm-hmm. know, the brewery. It, it, it really helped us, you know, when you're going through COVID, you're, you're trying to save money and do everything. If We'd opened during normal times and everything was great. We learned a lot of ways to, um, I don't know, creative ways to get things done that I think will help us out down the road. You know,
3: like I said before, I think COVID instead of a soft soft opening phase or a, a strict soft opening not during COVID, COVID gave us an opportunity, uh, unfortunately to say that, but <laughs> gave us an opportunity to slowly sort of grow into the building as, as, it, as time went on. It wasn't, you know, balls of the walls from day one, which, I mean, it kind of still was, but um, not like it could have been uh, without COVID going on.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think for a lot of companies, not just in – food and beverage category it was a bit of a reset and it allowed companies that just started to sort of start from the base zero
3: or dial in what they already had going on to what they actually needed
1: for sure
3: yeah i think it was it was a sort of a blessing that we got opened when we did nerd the doors got open when they did i should say um i think it, it gave everybody who was comfortable with going out in that time, a new place to go check out that they were hearing things about from their friends, um, new flavors to go try new food to go, you know, see what's up with and stuff like that, especially for the North Cincinnati suburbs. I think, yeah. you know, we, we, with our limited seating and everything, there was lines out the door every day we were open for beer. You know, the, the line up to the bar was 30 people long at all times, you know? So, uh, I don't know. And then, yeah, as we've went on, it's kind of opened up a little bit more, um every once in a while we we'll get like a big tent outside or you know the tents on the other side we got utilization of all three sides of the building for outdoor seating so we can't i don't know you have an indoor max number <laughs> i don't know about an outdoor max number
1: <laughs> well i know you just no said comment. you were going to hamilton but do no you guys comment. see yourselves ever changing or not changing but going to a new building in in the cincinnati area like maybe going more towards downtown for me
2: um I, I wouldn't be surprised I, or north I, i'm pushing to get something on the east side of town at some point um, okay i'd like to get something over on the east side i would like to open up some satellite spots uh if there's if there's an opening somewhere I'd, I'd i'd be open to it i think the rest of the partners are open to it as well awesome um, there's a good opportunity we're, we're not gonna you know
4: so when, when somebody comes into your brewery for the first time what is your hope or your goal when, when they walk in?
3: That the beer is banging. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so.
1: yeah, I mean
2: we, we really try to you know from the from the bartenders to the to the beer to the food just uh, we're, you know the goal is that they've had a, a really good experience and that they tell people and That brings you know new people in Uh, but just from top to bottom from the service that they had and knowledgeable bartenders from the beer the food you know and just uh i think we i think the one neat thing about the kind of the sharonville third eye locations it's almost like multiple bars there's a different feel kind of depending where you're at whether you're at the bar uh, inside or if you're at one of these little patio spaces or if you're on the rooftop uh, deck there's all these little kind of nooks and crannies. It almost feels like a different kind of place depending on where you where you're at in the brewery mm-hmm. uh, but Yeah, top to bottom we, we hope they you know I'm like, really impressed with, with with everything
0: So let's talk about your last beer
2: last beer is that Nirvana? Nirvana yeah, or Bust. This was um, the first uh, New England uh, that we came out with and I think it's our probably our, one of our most popular ones to the state most well-known for us. Most rebrewed for sure. Uh, well, yeah, we've brewed this quite a few times.
1: So it's popular, right? Yeah. Just trying a, to look out for the idiots like me. Yeah, right. This
3: was one of the two beers available last season at the FC Stadium. Yeah, yeah.
1: This is what I would, okay. I
3: would
4: so, always get at the games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, so Nirvana or Bust, it's uh, we use some thiol yeast from Omega, um, but I think what's unique about it is, it's kind of the hop combination that we we use. It's got your normal New England hops, which you know, we got your Nelson and your Citroen here, but also has Columbus, which almost doesn't belong in a New England IPA, but it works so well. It's just such a, I think it's a, just a great hop combination. You get that kind of just, dank from that columbus and you just you know and it, yeah. i think it turns it into a something unique and different and i think it really works well together and, uh, it's been pretty popular yeah
1: so i'm really not an ipa person typically but i do really like this one there's no real penny taste like no taste of metal in it which i greatly appreciate <laughs> talk to me a little bit about i guess that's that's the hops that i'm tasting that make that penny taste on oh,
3: it's it's so new england ipa which is what we're drinking on versus west coast ipa which is like your Ryan guys truth your your classic sierra nevada ipa and yeah. so on and so forth right uh, the grain bills built a little differently obviously you, you keep some haze in the beer it's not a clear beer kind of like this Kulsh. um oat and wheat kind of retain yeah, that haze just... in there along with the yeast they work together to retain some of that that sediment in the beer the good sediment that you want and then a uh, you when you add the hops in a New England versus a West Coast really uh, dictate the, the aroma versus the bitterness that you get in the finished product. Um, New England's, you're always gonna get a more juicy tropical fruit, you know, that stone fruit sort of feel to it. And that has to do with just how the yeast ferments those, those hop compounds and what are in those specific hops. Um, that's why some hop combinations you almost always see side by side, you know, mosaic and Simcoe or Citra Mosaic, you know, so on and so forth. Um, Then the West Coast, you can just kind of go crazy and let the the dankness of the hops shine through instead of the juiciness and, like, that tropical fruitness and the the New Englands, you know.
4: It it always seems like an oxymoron to me that New England had the fruits and then West Coast is more the dank. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now it's just... uh, They just kind of claimed it. These Mm -hmm. kind of IPAs started popping up more on the East Coast, so they just kind of coined that term. And Mm -hmm. then companies started making yeasts and hops that, well, maybe not making hops that do better in them, but yeasts and uh, and different things that really assentiate assentiate these these wanted flavors, those those pleasant flavors out of the hops, because sometimes those those West Coast IPAs, especially if they're not the right temperature, they could be really like assaulting to the palate for some people, <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah, so. So when we walk into your brewery, we see like 100 beers and on, on the wall, you see like metals Talk about like all the recognition you got and how did you even get to 100? I mean, from 2020 to. That's like a lot good. of work.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so the the 100 beers is basically, you know, it's 100 you know, it's, you know, Nirvana, we probably brewed a hundred times. So it's, it's a hundred different beers, a hundred, you know, separate recipes, so to speak. And, uh, what, what was the second part of your question?
0: So, you like all the medals and recognitions. So oh,
2: yeah. And, yeah, so I don't know. I've, I think we've, we've been lucky to kind of be a newer brewery and kind of come, come out of the, the ground kind of running um, we've done well in the u.s open we did get a great american beer fest medal our first year we were allowed to enter it um, so still uh, so a lot of things we want to accomplish um, but yeah i think we've won for a lot of different styles i don't know how many different styles that we've won for but we're about out of wall space over there i know that
0: it's a good
3: spot to be in after three years. Yeah. yeah. Idea is his prior experience before third eye definitely uh is uh, fully responsible for that. But <laughs> then uh, at a certain point, uh, all a brewer really wants to do is develop new recipes and figure out what works best with other ingredients and this and that. And I'm 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 just happy to be in a spot I can learn under somebody like Kelly who has that you know, who's been around the block like that, you know, and, and just kind of, if you ask me, he just kind of naturally knows what goes
1: with what. And I'm like,
3: how do you know that? He's like, oh, <laughs> I've done it 32 times
1: already. He's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So Kelly, I know we've asked you this already before, but I secretly don't remember the answer. What's what's for the future of, of this place? What are you, what are you trying to do? What, what new metals are you trying to conquer? What new beer flavors are you trying to go after?
2: Um, I, I think a big goal for me, I, w- I would love to, you know, once we get Hamilton going to just the wider distribution to get our beer throughout Ohio, you know, start getting beer in um, Dayton, Columbus, Cleveland, and, uh, you know, even some of the rural areas of Ohio, just um, love to share our beer throughout Ohio. I think that'd be great. I'd love to see it in some more of the bigger venues, uh, like some of the sporting stadiums um, you know as awards I don't know there, there's so many great breweries all around the country you know it's not I don't think that's really a focus I feel like we've we've won awards you know I don't I don't think that's really a huge goal anymore but uh, <laughs> we I don't know but I just think distribution I think it'll be fun to really grow that and uh see where that goes
0: well we thank you so much for having us and it's been a ball I've always enjoyed your stuff but thank you so much for having us yeah absolutely yeah it was a lot of
1: fun
4: what a night what a feeling what a night
1: oh sorry, everyone calm down we've got a podcast to rumble through. we
0: had a great time third eye is amazing their brewers are both amazing their beers are amazing i can't even stop saying amazing because we just had amazing time i couldn't even i can't even stop saying amazing because it just was rocking the whole time those people are amazing i love them blake on the count of three one two three what'd you learn What I learned, um, I learned everything tonight. I mean, from their history, from how they made beer. I mean, they they delivered on everything we asked them. And I just, I couldn't thank Third Eye enough for letting us come on and just talking to us. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously,
1: I was... I think midway through the podcast, I was like, oh, this is a great show. And I'm so excited that these are the guys we had on. And then after the show, they gave us their beer funky fresh with curry in it. And like listeners, if you've not had it, you need to have it because it is amazing.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every beer had a story. Every beer had a taste where I was just like. I could drink this. I want a pint of this, but I'm like, I'm the DD today. I need to take it slow. But no, no, no. But seriously, they they were so good, and I'm really impressed with the work they're doing over there.
1: Yeah, I think unbelievable interview. I really think that they are boosted up on my on my favorite of of the breweries that we've been interviewed so far.
0: I agree. I mean. Like I said, they've always been high on my rankings on breweries, and they just proved me why today. From their knowledge to how they can explain the beer from detail and what they plan to do in the future. Third eye is just getting started for only being there since 2020. I can't imagine to see what they're going to be in 2030. Thank you for listening. This is Blake, the Brewery Explorer Podcast. This is my brew crew, Eric Berkshire and Noah Jones. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Blake the Brew Explorer podcast. This podcast was hosted by me, Blake Longfellow, Noah Jones, and Eric Berkshire. This episode was also produced by Noah Jones and edited by Noah Jones and Eric Berkshire. Want to join us on our brewery exploration? Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow me at the Blake the Brewer Explorer on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. If you would like to be interviewed, please reach out to Noah Jones at creative at gmail.com.